So if you are a, even a startup, you're an entrepreneur, you're a year to win and you're looking to scale and all of a sudden you realize, oh my, this is going to work. Let me go out and hire people. Before you do that, you need to have compensation systems in place because when you do that, you're going to articulate what you want in an employee. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelak, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Dan. Dan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Excellent. Well, I am super excited because we have a fun topic today, as far as I'm concerned, because I love business. So give us kind of a quick introduction to who you are and what you do for business, and we'll get into the goods. Well, I would welcome everybody to make sure you listen to the end because we're going to talk about how compensation systems can change your business. And I'm going to have an offer for you at the end. So I'm Dan Kopp from Dynamico, and we have perfected the art of aligning compensation with employee value. I had a career in the military, then I was in public education, and now I am in private business, and we are having a huge impact with our clients. And my mission in life is to help other leaders and it manifests itself by working with employers to help them make a difference in or their organization. And that right there is my legacy. It's the impact those I help have on their organizations. Love it. So how did you get into compensation as a thing? My partner and I both dabbled in the HR world, and we thought there had to be a more impactful and easier way to figure out compensation for people other than a convoluted mess that some people are rocking in Excel documents or a straight longevity-based system. And it took us, I'm embarrassed to say, seven years of trial and error and philosophical discussions. And my partner came, made them all that work come to life in algorithms. And I still don't know how dude thinks, like how can you take a discussion we had two years ago and make it come to life in a math problem? But he did, and it works. It's a special skill that some people have. It is. Well, and I'm super glad that you have because I know a lot of business owners in my experience have interviews with people and go, oh, I like you. I'll pay you X. <laughs> right. Nothing to do with anything. Right. Really other than how much they like them. So other than that, what are some of the other mistakes that business owners make or kind of the mud that they get themselves into? Well, when you brought up a great point when you say, oh, I like this person, I'm going to give them X, or this person negotiated better than that person, therefore, he's getting X and she's getting Y. No, 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 there should be no subjectivity when it comes to time to determine compensation, because that can get you in trouble, especially when it's seven years later, and all of a sudden, you've got employee X and employee Y who were hired at the same time, and you're not going to be able to defend very well in a court of law when you're faced with a compensation discrimination complaint if your stance is well he happened to negotiate better when i hired him no 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 your compensation system should dictate what you pay your people it should be objective black and white no questions asked and definitely don't let the candidate lead on that discussion because if you are talking to a person from an underrepresented group a person of color uh, female you could be, you're assuming that person has never been discriminated against with compensation. So their value they may put forward is going to be diminished based on what you know the market dictates. So do not put candidates in that position. Don't perpetuate the discrimination. You've got to have a system that dictates how you pay people. 
Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit more about this, because I know that in this kind of one example that I'm thinking of, it was it was purely a it, it was all about that. It was highly subjective, highly about how you're negotiating this and the considerations of how long has this other person been with us? How hard is their job? How much responsibility they have? None of those things came into uh, consideration. And it didn't become an issue until they found out how much the person was making, which then, of course, causes a little bit of problems. So I guess, like, what kind of messes can we get into? Or how early should somebody start thinking about what kind of messes they can get themselves into? Well, I like to avoid messes at all possible. <laughs> so we recommend, right. uh, we work with small and medium-sized organizations, companies that mm -hmm. want to use the power that is inherent with the compensation system to serve their needs versus I sometimes run into employers who just look at compensation systems as a necessary evil. So if you are a, even a startup, you're an entrepreneur, you're a year to win and you're looking to scale and all of a sudden you realize, oh my, this is going to work. Let me go out and hire people. Before you do that, you need to have compensation systems in place because when you do that, you're going to articulate what you want in an employee, their skills, their abilities, their degrees, their certifications, et cetera. You then go to market and say, hey, I'm new. I'm looking to scale my business. And these are the things I value in employees. If you have these things, please apply because you fit me and we're going places. And that's what our clients do. They go to market and find candidates who fit them because they advertise what they value in their job announcements. And then- once they're in-house, those people deliver on the things that they said they were could deliver on. The, the system will show you how much they're worth. It's not subjective. And there's the key right there. It's a tangible tool an employer and an employee can point to, to that says, here's the value of this employee. Awesome. So you say internal systems. What do you mean by plural? <laughs> Let's start with that. Um. I think I was referring to uh, different compensation systems because theoretically I've engaged with people that where they've got 40 to 50 different employee groups within one organization. Individually, that might be pretty easy to manage when you're thinking about one employee group and you're managing them and it's on a pretty simplistic uh, Excel document. But then when you think, oh my, I've got 40 of these, that's where we can come in and say, all right, you, what you're doing might work, but it's sort of a, a beast and a monster to manage when you think about all 40 or 50, get them onto our platform, everything looks identical. And when you build your systems, typically, I'm gonna use one of my client's words, he says they've got a skeleton where the first 20 or so things in every system are identical from one to the next, whether it's experience, local experience, et cetera. So they've got a skeleton that goes in everyone. And then they look at each individual job category and say, what's important for an administrative assistant? What's important for a nurse? What's important for a line worker, et cetera. And then they flesh that out. What's important in each of those worlds. And they've got 40 systems that all operate the same way. all have the same budgetary controls and all look the same, except when it comes to what is specific to an administrative assistant, to a line worker, to a nurse, et cetera. Okay, so you're not talking different systems as in this body of staff or this division is part of a union and this division is compensated in commission. And this part, is, so you're not necessarily talking about 
those kind of constraints, but I assume that also comes into a lot of play. It does. And it quite honestly, I get that a lot when it comes time to talk about what about a union shop? Well, the a couple things come to mind. How many, how much management rights have you given up? Is the compensation system part of the, the collectively bargained agreement? If so, then it's a part of bargaining. Then you talk about it. And it, it depends on who your negotiators are on the union side. But honestly, if you've got some hard charging up and comers or middle career people who are just bringing it every day, yet they're stuck in a longevity based system where they're not being recognized for the greatness they bring to the table, they're going to embrace this because we're taught we're changing the paradigm. We're getting off of a longevity based system onto something that matters. Longevity is important. Don't get me wrong, but it by default is not the only thing that makes greatness an employee. Right. So what are some it, of the things that we should be looking at that does make greatness an employee? Well, think of any evaluation tool that's out there. All employers use them, rudimentary to extremely complex, but typically in there, let's assume you've got customers. There's a customer service lens or maybe a professionalism lens. Then there's soft skills. There's there's literal technical skills. How well can you produce widgets, et cetera? So if you think about those things, you could put those individual in parts of the, the evaluation into the compensation system, which really does actually encourage and reward satisfactory and could reward exemplary performance if those are the categories you put in there, which we all know what quiet quitting is. It's been around for decades. They finally got a name <laughs> about six months ago. Pretty sure a lot uh, of us did it way back when. <laughs> yeah. Nobody well, called anything they, though. What? Uh, so what? it's been around. So there's typically with a longevity-based system, there's no impetus to even be satisfactory at your job. Because let's face it, unless you're in the bottom 5% of performers, the first-line supervisors don't have the bandwidth to focus on anybody other than the bottom 5%. So you can pretty much coast with no impetus to even be satisfactory. So if an employer introduces something like in your compensation system, it now says satisfactory and it's worth $1,200 a year, just a round number. That's $100 a month. Most people are going to set up to take notice if they realize I simply have to be satisfactory at my job to make that extra money. I mean, that's going to resonate with people. It's a carrot. It's not, you know, coast away, but you're not going to get this money that you're leaving on the table. And then if you also say an exemplary is defined as such, and that's also worth $1,200 a month. Why wouldn't employees strive for that? And that's what we're seeing with our clients where they are, what we're doing is a game changer for them. And it's changing how they approach what they do in the marketplace when they're looking for people and everybody is going the same direction. My camera is acting wanky. So if I'm just blurred out, we're just going to add me out. Don't worry about <laughs> oh, Nobody needs to see me anyways. They're all interested in what you have to say. So, I can only but imagine that this would have a huge impact on culture and an employee satisfaction, because if I, as an employee, especially as potentially kind of, we'll call myself a mid to high range um, employee, which kind of cracks me out because I'm sure I'm a terrible employee, but I would think that knowing what those, you know, what, are, what are they looking for would help immensely because most entrepreneurs in my experience, uh, they don't itemize what it is that they're looking for. And especially when it comes to culture, culture can be so ambiguous. It's like, we just want you to be a nice person. We want you to get along with everybody. We want you to go and do your job. And, you know, at the end of right. the day, you get to go your way, we go ours. 
And some people actually put a lot more attention into culture and they know, hey, if you do this on a regular basis, we will totally compensate you for that. And that might mean, you know, going out and doing volunteer work. It might be helping your entrepreneurs or I mean, helping your co-workers when they need help. It might be, you know, whatever is pertinent to their culture. Absolutely. And that is one of the thought processes we had when we were trying to develop this in seven years. Like, how can we help align compensation to what we want in an organization, which would ultimately drive and improve culture? Because if everybody's going in the same direction, then you've got a great culture because a lot of conflict, as we all know, are differing values in the workplace. And it's taken off the table. One of our our first clients, uh, I was present as they worked through the system, develop their compensation systems, and they had a veteran nurse out of their nurse group was part of the process. They built the systems right because they brought in people who were in those categories to help them make sure their compensation systems were comprehensive. And at the end of the process, the veteran leader nurse who had been there 20 plus years, he, he's like, hey, I appreciate the involvement. I appreciate my voice being heard. And I just realized I don't fit this organization. I got to go. So he opted out, went and found a place where he fit. They went to market and have subsequently done that in several positions where they took their nonprofit that had equity of $5 million three years ago. In two years, they built that to $19 million and they attribute 100% of their success to using our system because everybody understands their role in the big picture and they all know where the organization is going and they are all buying into it. Nice. I love it. So when you're talking about, I can only but imagine an objective might be, yeah, but it's going to take us so much time to figure this out and to be able to implement it and put it into place. Let's start with what kind of, what size of companies are you typically working with or do you love to work with? And in that particular scenario, give us kind of an estimate of kind of how long it takes to set things up so that they're uh, up and running. And Sure. So the initial demonstration of our dashboard and what models look like are enough to get people to realize a paradigm shift is possible. Once the paradigm shift occurs, I tell prospective clients and our clients like that's 80% of the work because it's so hard to change. And once you say, all right, we're ready for something different, there's 80% of the work. And then I can easily create a compensation system that is in the ballpark for what makes sense. For example, I was working with a tailoring company a couple of weeks ago and yeah, I've never compensated tailors before. So I got online, looked for certificate certifications, degrees, skills, metrics that say a standard garment should take X minutes, whatever. And I, I fleshed out a system that had about 30 different variables in it. And they said, we pretty much love what you created. We want to do it. We just realized we're not measuring anything you put in there. So we're going <laughs> to figure out some metrics on our end. And we got some homework to do. We'll be back. Right. But that's what they were lacking was a, a way to move forward. So when I train somebody, it literally takes about 30 minutes to train somebody on the dashboard tops, 30 minutes tops. And once they've had the paradigm shift and I've exposed them to examples I've created or examples in other professions, and I this is how I challenge them. I think of it an ideal employee with whom you work right now. And then think about the characteristics traits, skills, abilities, degrees, certifications, those people possess. If you can quantify it, you can put it in this system. And that really gets the wheels spinning, uh, moving, not spinning, <laughs> moving. Yeah. And they are- A little bit of torque. <laughs> yeah, right. 
and they are moving forward. And if done correctly, this is not a one and done thing. You're not going to have a 30 minute meeting because this is a huge paradigm shift. People have to have the paradigm shift. They have to think about it, come back, revisit it. So it might be two, three, four meetings over three to six weeks with stakeholders at the C-suite level, maybe HR person, first line supervisor, and maybe a, an employee or two from that category to get a comprehensive picture of what excellence looks like in that category. And then six weeks later-ish or so, you've got what seems to be a perfect system. And just like any handbook, any policy procedure that anybody's ever adopted and used, it's perfect until you start using it. So our system <laughs> is easily editable. Obviously, I do not recommend that when you're using it, but maybe one fiscal year to the next, you clone what you have and start editing. All right, we forgot something, let's add it in. We mismanaged, yeah, the, the value of this doesn't make sense, let's change it, et cetera. And so our, our clients are routinely revisiting that and tweaking them. And it's, it definitely allows them to respond, respond to internal market demands and external market demands because the, their system evolves as they as an organization and as the market evolves. Now, I'm assuming that a couple of fun tweaks are going to be one budget. <laughs> They're going to go, oh, we should be paying our staff, right. you know, 3x what we're paying Right now, that's probably, right. you know, okay, we'll work towards that, but there's a few things we could probably tweak to work up to that, yes? Right. So we're, it's it's like working with a financial spreadsheet or something with, to that effect. Yep. And the other one would be, okay, we're getting a flood of resumes coming in now, and we should probably be restraining this <laughs> a little bit more than, than we have. What other kind of tweaks would somebody make besides, besides. those two, or would they, uh. or... Well, um, so there are cost controls built in our dashboard. One is budgetary. So I often encounter, can you help us with a compensation study? And I always recommend people, please don't pay me or anybody else for that. Especially I, I get that from public entities and that data is typically available easily for free. If it's not a public entity, You've got a network of HR and C-suite people in your area. You need, I'll help facilitate getting that data, but please don't pay me or anybody else because that's just something as a business owner you need to know and I'll help facilitate that. So once you have, I'm going to use round numbers. Once you have the data, let's say you've got a job category that start roughly $50,000 and it should top out at $100,000. That's where we come in. A traditional model is you come here at $50,000, 20 years later, you're going to be at $100,000 with no type of evaluation on whether or not you're actually good at your job. You just, <laughs> congratulations, congratulations, you've been breathing for the last 20 years. You are at the top. And what's the impetus to even be good at your job? And think about the bitterness if you're a seven-year veteran and you're the leader, leading performer, you're leading this and you're training other people and you positive and you're working next to a 25 year veteran who's been coasting because he or she's at the top of the this pointless right okay. so that's step number one is determining where you are in the market and then our our budgetary controls that are in every dashboard that are there present as you're building and then i would recommend only yearly you change things 
there's a budgetary control. How much should you want to spend for this job category next fiscal year compared to this fiscal year? So let's assume it's 5%. Then there's a hold harmless in there. In other words, in a traditional model and a switch to a new system, theoretically, somebody's worth less compensation. Even once implemented from one year to the next, assuming you have something like an evaluation system in there, somebody's exemplary one year, not the next, there's a scenario in which someone might be worth less compensation from one year to the next. So how do you treat those people? There's a hold harmless. You could put in there 102%, which means they're getting a 2% raise over current year. Again, your, your bucket says you've got a hundred or 5%. And you just gave those people too. So there's also a control on there, maximum increase. So we'd love to pay everybody their value, but sometimes budgetary dollars aren't there. And maybe you want to cap that at say 110%. So an individual employee on a micro level, even though this is built on a macro level, a micro level, an individual employee could only go up 10% at a time. So you've got a 5% bucket. The people who aren't delivering on the things you want are going to get the most 2%. And then, or I capped at 2%, period. And then the people who are really doing great things are capped at 10%. And overall, you're spending 5% on the whole system. And each, each system has those controls in place that are at your fingertips every time you update it again, which would be typically a couple months before the beginning of a fiscal year. I'm assuming it takes into account fun things like bonuses and... Easily done. Yep. There's a lot, there's a section that we could do one-offs. Maybe somebody comes with uh, a degree that you hadn't considered. It's not there and it's got, they've got experience doing exactly. All right. There's a one-off thing. You could put Mr. Jones experience, check the box and only Mr. Jones is getting that. And you could, you know, 10 years later, you might have 10 of those or 50 of those or hundred of those. So the system does account for one-offs like that. Very cool. So Again, let's go back to kind of industries and or sizes of companies or whatever metrics you use. Who is a perfect fit for this? And you're like, oh my God, you have to do this because you're wasting money on time and effort doing it. We've got way. manufacturing clients. We've got healthcare clients. We've got public sector clients, uh, municipalities and school districts. So we started with school districts because that was our background and it, it, it went well and we're expanding to other industries now. So we're targeting small to medium-sized companies. And having said that, we can meet the needs even if you've got thousands of employees because the system, the dashboard is a dashboard and the, the employees are uploaded via CSV file and they're in the system. So it's very easily managing thousands, but our target audience is a small to medium-sized company because what comes with a company over three or 400 plus, you typically have a pretty beefy HR department that typically they've got some convoluted mess in a in Excel documents, but it's their convoluted mess and they know it and they love it. So, and I don't blame them for changing because they're so invested and so deep in it. Who would want to back out of that to go into another platform? So that's why we're focusing on small to medium because I know we we are making an impact on small shops that are a one person show where they've got 40 employees and it's one or two people running it, the whole thing. And they don't have time to be innovative and think outside the box. They just want a tool to say, let me, it's done. I'm going to go on to something else. And the system takes care of it. It's very easily used. Nice. Well, and I assume too, that most entrepreneurs of that size, they want to be equitable, right? And anything right. that can uh, diminish their subjectivity and their, right. uh, unvalidated bias <laughs> right because we all have bias right we, we know we do and sometimes we're like okay i get it i'm not good at that and the reason i'm not yeah. good at that is because i'm doing right. this 
So give me a couple of examples. I mean, you had a couple of fun ones in there of Cinderella stories of clients that were totally messed up. And then with the system, kind of the clouds parted and the angels sang. We had a client sign with us about four months ago and using their words, we've just got a mess and there's no rhyme or reason to what we're doing with anything. And I think they had nine, 10 different systems and the the systems, all the spreadsheets all acted differently. Plus there was no rhyme or reason where they brought people in and it went back to how much is it going to cost to get that employee from that organization to us or how well did that person negotiate? So they knew using their words, they self-professed they had a mess on their hands and they were able to get their mess into our system and it's, management's been a breeze. Actually, when I trained their HR manager, um, I sent some serious trepidation for four days leading up to it based on the email exchange. It took me 37 minutes to train her. I checked in the next day and said, hey, how's it going? You okay? You're still alive. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a breeze. I love it. I never hear from her unless I, I overtly say, hey, just check it in to make sure you're still alive. No, no worries here. We're good. And they had a mess on their hands and she was able to get that under control within days. And she loves wow. it. Well, and I can also imagine that with this predictability of how long, it, who you're going to onboard, how long it takes to train them, how long it takes for them to typically reach their KPIs is that in that nasty phase of growth where you're going, Hey, we got some money. Hey, we need some more employees. Hey, we, <laughs> you know, where you're, where you're balancing that the human resources where... with the work, with the sales that you can start to create that predictability of it's going to take us, you know, five months, not three months, like we thought it did. And, you know, we can start at this much and work them up to that much. Yeah. And you just like, it Absolutely. just seems to me that that it allows that growth period to become at least prettier <laughs> yeah not, and we've not, got not as messy we've got a manufacturer they want to they want to take keep track of their metrics on a quarterly basis mm -hmm. i mean there's nothing stopping anybody from updating it quarterly and then you asked me a question a few minutes ago in regard to what implementation looks like theoretically somebody could implement beginning of the fiscal year, so January 1st, and just rip the Band-Aid off, and we were on this system, we totally threw it away, and now we're on this system, period. Or they could say, you know, tiptoe in and say, all right, it's longevity-based, but we're introducing some other factors like your, your evaluation, which we acknowledge really hasn't meant much in the past. Now it does. So to tiptoe into that water, we're going to put a, a certain calculation in there that says it's worth $20 a month. Some people are going to, whatever, $20. I still don't, but in year two, <laughs> it's going to be 30. Year five, it's going to be $100 or $200. People are going to start to take notice. So you can conceptually rip the Band-Aid off and just start fresh, period. Or you could start slowly in incremental stages by introducing some things at a low value, everything at a very low value, and just increase values over time. However, it's totally up to the decision makers of the organization how they want to do it. And it's very easily done. Nice. Well, I can see it being best to set up before you start hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not thinking most will have the wherewithal to be able to do that. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that a business might be experiencing? And they're going, oh my God, Dan, we need your system so badly. 
Well, in today's market, finding people who fit, and I'm not going to be naive and say never hire warm bodies. You should find people who fit, period. That's ideal, right? But sometimes we are desperate and we have to hire warm bodies. So outside of desperation, once the systems are built, and yes, it's ideal to do it before you go to market the first time, but that's not reality for most employers. So you've got a system in place, you create a new one. The hold harmless is there. So you're taking care of your current employees, some of whom are superstars, and you're finally telling them that via compensation. And then you go to market and say, here are our values. Based on words I've heard from our clients say, we went through a values exercise to determine what was important to us as an organization. So you go to market and say, here are our values. You bring them in. So it's allowing our clients to bring in people who fit. They're then retaining great people because traditional systems, you typically have underperformers who are overpaid and over uh, overachievers who are underpaid. Those overachievers are gone already for work right now. And the underachievers, guess what, people? They're not leaving because they got it good. You're paying them for stuff they're not even doing. So it fixes that issue. You pay the right people for the value your people are bringing to the organization. And then you can ensure and reward satisfactory and exemplary performance if you so choose, which I would recommend you do. And finally, the comp the equity piece, There, at least in the United States, equity gaps still exist. They were closing pre-pandemic, but they're still at 15 to 27%. When you compare an underrepresented group to white males, we need to close those gaps. At the end of the day, it's the value the employee brings to the table. It's not what gender, ethnicity, race, et cetera, the person is that should matter. And right now our systems that are longevity based, typically those things do matter. I love that. Love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Well, I would offer an, an uh benefit to them. If you like what I have to hear and you want to engage with me to hire our services and invest in your organization, I will take 50% off our one-time onboarding licensing fee. And then there's just a recurring per employee per month fee. So nice. 50% off and you can contact me at dan at dynamicosystems.com, D-I-N-A-M-I-C-O systems.com. The email will be in the show, show notes. Plus, <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn at Dan Cop Dynamico. I didn't start like that, but over time, my my title sort of evolved on, like, it used to be just Dan Cop, and all of a sudden, it's Dan Cop Dynamico. I don't even know how that happened. Like, where did this come from? Anyway. But LinkedIn just figured. <laughs> yeah. So 50% off our one-time licensing onboarding fee if you mention this show when you email me or contact me via LinkedIn. And we can have you up and running in a matter of once we get a partnership agreement signed, we're, you're in the system within a day and you're up and running and I can walk you through or my partner will walk you through how to set up systems. It's super easy. Um, management, it's a breeze. It'll save you time. It will save you money. It's a small investment to draw people in and slow down your turnover rates. It's a small investment. You save one person, this system pays for itself for the year. Love, love. And um, ideas that are just popping in my head, I could probably go on for a three-day course on this, but I won't, I promise. But talk to me about, and I'm assuming it includes kind of international employees and you know, uh, contractors, whatever you got going on. It's just as another methodology that you plug into the system yes it is it's it's okay. we can through any lens we're actually hiring affiliate sales people right now and we're using our system to determine their worth 
So it could be used if you want to engage with somebody, even if it's a contractor, you can articulate in our system what you expect that contractor to do for you. And that's what you base your fee on. Nice. Awesome. Okay. I'm super excited about this. So peeps, go and check out Dan Cup, K-O-P-P. And of course, all the links are in the show notes. Of course. Dan, I get to ask you at this point, what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? That's a great question. Um, about five, six years ago, I was having Wanderlust and I knew there was something else and I didn't know what that something else was until fast forward to late 2018, where my partner created these algorithms and we were off and running. So it, awesome. I'm still not positive what I want to do when I grow up, but I'm getting closer. <laughs> but he seemed really smart and you went, hey, that seems like a good idea considering his mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Awesome. Dan, you have been awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words for our peeps? No, I appreciate the uh, the honor of being on your podcast. This has been great and I'm here to serve. So if you think I can serve you, your client, your listeners, your clients, hit me up. I can, I can help anybody. Even if it's just calling me and asking a question, I'm here to help people. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you again so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. Right on. Take care. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with your entrepreneurial friends. We love helping you grow your businesses. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.